0: Welcome to Owning the Future of Healthcare, a podcast from Health Catalyst, your leading provider of data and analytics technology and services to healthcare organizations. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another live episode of Owning the Future of Healthcare, a Health Catalyst podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and folks, thanks so much for joining us on another live episode of the show. We appreciate you joining us for some healthcare and broader care industry thought leadership. As we maneuver today's topic, make sure that you're heading to our website, healthcatalyst.com slash empower. Again, healthcatalyst.com empower for more information on the various topics we're gonna be chatting about today, but also for some more Health Catalyst content, including podcasts, articles, videos, and more. And you can also subscribe to the audio version of our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, hit that subscribe button and you'll have a full catalog of previous conversations as well as notifications when we drop new ones. All right, let's jump right into the conversation today. So with today's video podcast here, we're digging into the importance of data-informed healthcare, especially in the context of a global and increasingly global healthcare market. What we're hoping to do is better understand where and how critical data is being collected in healthcare today, how this differs across various markets and how Health Catalyst is doing its part to support a more data-driven vision for care. So for insights today, we're joined by Jeff Seelander. He's Senior Vice President and General Manager for Global Expansion Business at Health Catalyst. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Daniel. Thank you for having me on the show. It's, uh, It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, of course. Thank you for joining us again. I'm looking forward to getting your insights on the program today. So what I wanna do is just start off with a little bit of COVID context and just get that out of the way before we look more holistically at where the industry is at and how that's going to inform data-driven healthcare moving forward. So I think we can agree that COVID shined a light on the importance of efficient processes, on oversight and open communications on various different sides of the broader care machine. Uh, And all of these moving pieces naturally are supported by data and uh, this acceleration of data usage was also seen over the last year. So I'm curious, did COVID place more of a focus on data in care operations or in any particular way that you think is worth discussing here today? If so, how? Give us your thoughts.
1: Yeah, thanks, Daniel. You know, it's interesting. I, I think that there are probably two big lessons that come from what we've learned over the past year or so with regard to the the global pandemic. And and one you've touched on a little bit, which is how did this pandemic shine a light on the need for data, the use of data, the organization of data to drive better uh, processes and so forth. But the other really interesting uh, element to me that I think the pandemic has also sort of highlighted is that when you strip away all of the um, the, the disparate systems, disparate methodologies that healthcare and healthcare delivery use, at our core, we are essentially human beings that are um, affected uh, in a strikingly similar way, uh, regardless of where we live, regardless of socioeconomic status, uh, regardless of the healthcare that we enjoy or don't enjoy, uh, you know with 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 some minimal variability uh, we all react to uh, disease and to aging in a in a very similar way and our ability as a human race this this makes this a, a uniquely human problem uh, across the world that we can join together to solve and and one way to solve that is through the the democratization democratization, excuse me, of data, and shining a light on how we bring data together more efficiently.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think it also centered how important it is to keep the patient at the core of any broader decision making. And, you know, a lot of times it can be easy to, Get lost in the weight of the data or the numbers, or uh, you know, integrating these larger tools to make for more supported care. Uh, but I think what has helped is, you know, I guess out of necessity, COVID really placed a lot of focus on making sure that the patient was at the core of a lot of uh, major decision making. Uh, yeah both operationally um, and day to day, uh, as well as largely uh, with the integration of data sort of at scale. So uh, I think that's also part of what you're describing here today. So what I want to do now then is see. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree as well. So thoughts then on where you see how uh, COVID has left the broader industry impacting where we're at today. So maybe to, to rephrase with that in mind, what would you say is the current status of healthcare data and analytics on a global scale? Uh, and feel mm-hmm. free to hone in on specific countries and uh, how this context differs you know, from the US versus a global perspective, but where have we been left with our use of data and analytics?
1: Yeah, great question. And, and I will just say it's a broad... Topic. It's a broad problem um, that will take decades for us to make improvements and to drive, you know, to drive improvements. And as you think about how healthcare and healthcare delivery is is managed from region to region, it is quite different. Uh, despite the fact that, that we're solving, or trying to solve for the same the same problems, and those differences are shown in um, you know payment models. They're shown in the way that we drive operational procedure, uh, the financing of this care is quite different from region to region. Where, you know, another area where it becomes important to to sort of drive change in order to help all of those disparities is really in bringing the data together in a way that is uh, useful uh, at the patient's bedside and that's different from region to region. You know, the, the U.S. Has, has really sort of let out in terms of digitizing data and being able to use data more effectively, in part because of the High Tech Act and, and moving to digitized records, you know, that began in, you know, kind of the uh, early 2000s. And if there's one kind of broad indicator as to whether or not a region is ready to Uh, really move towards democratizing data. That is moving from paper-based records to to digital records. And and there's a strong correlation, uh, not surprisingly, to a region's um, level of sophistication around um, information technology infrastructure uh, and that ability to move in a scalable way towards digitization. So you know, it's not surprising that you know, first world countries like the US, Europe, uh, the UK, uh, many countries in Asia-Pacific, where they have you know, been more, are, are making stronger inroads into this, uh, you know, into this move to use data and analytics uh, more effectively. However, it's, there are also pockets uh, where the, the opposite is true. And you know, one example I can share with you uh, comes out of India. So India, as we all know, a huge com- country, uh, you know, huge population, uh, and in many ways, uh, quite advanced. However, for the most part, they're, they are still on a paper-based system from, uh, in terms of their medical records, which, which really uh, hinders the ability to you know, drive data and analytics in any sort of scalable way in that region. But one example: There's a doctor in India. His name's Dr. Uh, Debbie Shetty. He's a he's a heart surgeon, and he has made it his life work life's work to driving down costs and and increasing improvements in heart procedures. And he's done this over decades. He's in fact built a couple of hospitals in India and elsewhere. And for a standard coronary bypass surgery, he has gotten the cost of that down to about fifteen hundred dollars U.S. Hmm. per, uh, per surgery. And, you know, for a comparison, that same surgery would cost you about $106,000 at the Cleveland clinic in the U S and, and the outcomes are roughly the same. You know, he's, he's getting the same or better outcomes and he's doing this by utilizing data and then driving, uh, you know, operational perf- uh, performance and improvements into the way he does this by regionalizing and localizing the care by doing things like just one example that I love, you know, there's about 35 to 40 hours of post-operative care for this specific and US hospital is done solely in the hospital by, you know, the, the hospital staff. One thing that he has done and has made it successful without it impacting outcomes is he has been able to drive those 35 to 40 hours into the homes of these patients. So the patients go home, they recover at home. And the work is done by their families who have been trained to do this kind of work in that setting. So, again, a a novel approach using data, using standardized scripts driven by data. Uh, There are lots of approaches, you know, that allow regions that are currently behind at maybe a a macroeconomic scale to make progress. And in some instances, leapfrog. Uh, And despite the fact that they don't have the, you know, the technology that they would need to do this at a scalable level. So lots of opportunities and lots of disparity across the world in terms of readiness.
0: Yeah, I find it, I guess, very engaging, but also pretty straightforward in a lot of ways that um, IT infrastructure, again, information technology infrastructure is almost a prerequisite for mass adoption of data at scale, for care and doing so in an efficient way. So I'm curious what you see as some of the intersecting challenges there, uh, as uh, even nations that already have robust IT uh, that are pushing towards the adoption of cutting edge uh, networks such as 5G, Wi-Fi 6, Wi-Fi 6E. um, Even with that in mind, where do you see that a uh, sort of necessary uh, stepping stone, creating some potential challenges for the adoption of data at scale. And what strategies would you advise for maneuvering those? Because in a lot of ways, a healthcare organization's ability to maximize data, like you said, uh, is dependent on those structures. But one healthcare organization doesn't really have the power to affect those structures alone, right? Uh, even in a unified way, a lot of that is sort of out of the control of individual physicians and organizations. So, what do you see as some of the challenges, and what advice—excuse uh, me—advice would you give for maneuvering those?
1: Yeah, great question. And again, universal challenge. I think it's a global challenge that plays out all over the world in the different regions, depending on on where they are. So we've talked a lot about you know digitization and moving records out of you know sort of paper uh, form, but we need to also make sure that we're not just trading one metal box for another metal box with mm. without having the accessibility that is needed. And what I mean by that is. If all you do is move it from you know, a paper-based medical record to a digital record that is not connected up with all of the other source systems that a hospital typically uses, uh, the other data that's required that can be operational data, that can be financial data, um, uh, patient safety data, there's all sorts of data that's not found simply or solely in the, uh, in the medical record, the official medical record. And so what we do at Health Catalyst, which we think is, uh, you know, equally uh, required in order to make this work at a sustainable, scalable level, you've got to be able to link all those data sources together in a way that allow you to then overlay analytics and draw answers from those, uh, you know, from those data sources. And so that's what we, we and many others, quite frankly, are working to solve, you know, within the industry. And, and again, back to your, your point about, uh, you know, and if you look at other industries, there are, this is not a, a healthcare specific challenge, but healthcare is probably the last industry to make this leap. Uh, when you think about all the other industries that have made this change, you know, banking, retail, <clears throat> all those industries, industries have successfully crossed the chasm, if you will in driving analytics and data toward uh, better outcomes. The challenge with doing this in um, healthcare is that you know this industry is just uh, orders of magnitude more complex. And, and when you layer on top of that complexity, the complexities as you move from region to region, it becomes even more difficult. So to that point, what I would say that, you know, one of the big differences or one of the challenges as you think about region to region, it's really the, the language that's used to describe healthcare. And that's both, a, I use that both in a social context and a, a digital context. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're, if you're doing, if you're driving healthcare improvement in Japan versus South Korea, uh, there there can potentially be a, a language barrier just because of those languages. But even or as important, if not more important, would be the underlying coding of the processes, of the diagnoses that are made. That's a language in and of itself that is used within healthcare systems worldwide, and that is not universal. So you know, in the United States, we uh, use ICD codes or CPT codes, uh, and many other areas of of the world have adopted those coding structures and used those, but not everyone does, and many regions have their own. And so how one region describes heart failure, for example, could be very different from how another region describes that. And so being able to cross those barriers as well from region to region is going to be important. And some of that will be accomplished regionally, I think, uh, because you've got the regional understanding. What we believe and what we're trying to accomplish here at Health Catalyst and have, you know, it's very early innings for us uh, on the international stage. We've been around for, uh, you know, over 10 years uh, in the U.S., but have been doing our work uh, globally only for about the last three years. And so being able to to link those languages together digitally uh, will also be important to driving uh, success. Here.
0: And to add to uh, that uh, desire to you know, drive towards success naturally, I think this is something that applies in most any context Uh, which I think works well for our global conversation here is that really maximizing data use in healthcare also requires buy-in as well as continued education of all the various professionals that are going to maximize it uh, whether that is physicians and RNs using it day to day, or that's leadership level uh, taking that insight and using it to make financial or technical or broader, uh, you know, visionary decisions about the healthcare organization. So I'm curious how you see those different levels of of interest or uh, maybe professional use cases, driving the adoption of data and analytics and healthcare on a global scale. Are there any uh, that you see winning out, any needs particularly coming from professionals themselves saying, hey, we need data for X, Y, Z reason, and that's really driving a lot of interest, uh, or are those dynamics separate? What do you see?
1: So what you're describing, and again, I think this is global, this is universal. It's something that we call the uh, psychology of data. And and at its core, what we are doing really is helping to drive uh, change. It's change management. And in our experience in having worked with over 100 hospital systems in the U.S., I'll just stay with the U.S. for a moment, we know that when you go into a typical hospital system and and we provide our solution, we aren't going to find, you know, one or two hundred million dollar problems or challenges or opportunities to solve. You may find some of those in large systems, but what we typically find are one to $200 million, you know, challenges or uh, opportunities to solve spread across the entire organization. And so in order to do that, you have to have a robust technical underpinning to be able to address all of those different challenges. And some of them could be operational they could be financial, they could be clinical challenges, and being able to direct data, informed data, backed up by you know, domain expertise to, to drive the solution. And, and so that's what we have you know, really endeavored to do because being able to get into the hearts and minds of those clinicians who by and large are data-driven, they're incredibly intelligent, and more than anything, people that get into healthcare want to help people. That's what they're there for. They want to improve the lives of those that they work with. And so we allow them and help them to do that. And, but in order to do it, you really have to drive you know the change at a grassroots level as opposed to a top-down level. Now, that same principle applies when you look out beyond the United States internationally What changes is that, you know, by and large in the United States from a cultural perspective and from a, you know, a clinical process perspective, although there are lots of differences, we're all using the same coding language, you know, doctors and nurses are going to the same uh, schools where they're taught in in roughly a uniform way. And it's, you know, it's still very much a, you know, a master apprentice learning process. So you, you do have variation, of course. But that variation pales in comparison to the variation you would get when you think about how the U.S. provides healthcare delivery versus how they do it in Singapore versus how they do it in India versus how they do it in Dubai. And a lot of that is culturally driven and driven by even things like, uh, you know, what's the social contract that these various governments have when it comes to healthcare with their people? In many places, it's done on a much more public basis than it is in the U.S., and all of these things drive differences in how you deliver health care and how you improve healthcare. So as we've been doing this at Health Catalyst for the last three years, that has been uh, one of the biggest challenges that I've seen in leading this charge is trying to account for those challenges and um, correct for them so that we can still do the work that we
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, you brought up some very important defining metrics for how healthcare uh, and data can intersect effectively, uh, things that will necessarily define how it's integrated, some of the bureaucracy that controls how it's integrated, and then uh, how it actually reaches the physicians and the patients. And so, you know, we've already spoke a bit about how IT infrastructure Uh, often defines which regions adopt data and analytics faster than others. But of some of those metrics that you just broke down, uh, including some of the differences in how um, nations structure the delivery of their healthcare, those social contracts with their citizens, which regions do you see adopting data and analytics faster? uh, Or which of those metrics do you see encouraging faster adoption of data for healthcare than others? Break that down for us and why
1: yeah, great question. and And again, I think it uh, it is driven by all of the you know elements that we've talked about today. Sure. If you pull all of those together. at least in our experience uh, where we are driving or having the most success, which isn't to say that it's you know the only type of success that will occur because the problem is so large, there will require many, many hands to solve this problem. But where we're seeing success in uh, you know, the various regions would be in you know, Asia Pacific, uh, Singapore, Australia, um, the UK. Uh, we're also seeing success in uh, the Middle East, uh, you know Dubai and, and Saudi specifically, where we are uh, building relationships. We are working to break down both cultural and digital barriers uh, in these regions so that we can be a part of this you know, conversation uh, on a global scale as opposed to just on a national scale, because it allows us to bring what technology uh, we have built over the last 10 years, bring the domain expertise that we uh, have acquired through our experience and through the, you know, the team members that we, that we bring to bear to the problem. Because again, and this is the other interesting insight for me, you know, despite all of the changes that we've talked about, when we bring one of our experts, say a, a heart failure expert or somebody that's an expert clinician in, you know, cardiovascular or, uh, you know, uh, obesity issues, just to name a couple of, uh, of examples, and we put that expert, you know, who has spent their career in the U.S. in front of a group of clinicians uh you know, out of the Middle East or out of uh, Asia Pacific, and they start to talk about the, the challenges of just providing care to fellow human beings. They are instantly bonded because they're talking about the same thing. They're talking about the the science of delivery as opposed to the the technology or the operation of delivery, and of course, those things play in. But it goes back to this, you know, kind of. In many ways frankly comforting thought that we as human beings are all uh, at one point uh, or another in our lives we will access whatever healthcare services are available to us and that you know what those services are and how effective they are will be dependent on where we live and you know the circumstances that we find ourselves in but this is truly uh, you know a universal challenge And um, at a clinical level, it's one that I think we can bring, you know, deep domain expertise to along with, you know, the technology expertise that we bring.
0: All right, Jeff, last main question I wanna ask you then is if we take all of these defining metrics and, um, you know, some of the large macro and micro level uh, factors that motivate how data is uh, both integrated and then used in healthcare, where would you say are some of the biggest unrealized opportunities, especially uh, continuing this context of at a global scale for leveraging data and analytics in healthcare? Are there any major areas you see consistently across the board that don't quite use data and analytics, uh, you know, to their fullest extent? Why? And, uh, you know, do you have any insight to share there?
1: Yeah, great question. And again, I think when we talk about data and analytics within healthcare, it's, it really boils down to finding more efficient ways to democratize that data in as centralized a way as you can while respecting privacy uh, of that data so that the data can be used to drive the greatest results for the largest number of people. And you know, if we think about the migration, the data was so diffuse and still is in many regions when it just sits... Printed on a paper copy sitting in a in a cabinet somewhere. There's no way to utilize that data. There's no utility there. The next step was really, and this we're still in this step, hospital systems are now utilizing this data because it's now centralized, you know, within a either a server that sits on premise at that system, or it sits you know in a cloud environment and they're able to use it. So the unrealized opportunity that I would leave you with is. The ability and the way that where technology is moving in my direction, it's why in in the direction I believe it's headed and why I think we are still very much in the early innings of this uh, industry is that there will come a day when data is stored um, efficiently and scalably and privately within a cloud environment that can then be accessed uh, across Regions across um, countries uh, and can be cut at the grain of different, uh, you know, disease states and uh, care delivery models, so that all can benefit from the learnings that we have. And that that is still very early for us. You know that we're moving in that direction. Health Catalyst is just a microcosm of this. When we first started, and you know, when we had you know, maybe 40 or 50 customers, say, five, seven years ago, 90% of those customers were found, their data was located on-premise, and only 10% were in our cloud environment. Fast forward to today, we have over 100 customers, and that ratio has flipped. We essentially have 90-plus percent of our customers residing in the cloud and working on ways so that that data can be shared in um, in an effective and positive and a responsible way to drive improvements. And that's where I see us being able to leverage improvement for the benefit of everyone, you know, going forward.
0: All right, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today on the program. It's really been a pleasure breaking down your vision for how we can maximize data use in healthcare at a global scale, giving us that great global perspective. So thank you again to Jeff C. Lander, Senior Vice President and General Manager for Global Expansion Business at Health Catalyst. Jeff, I'm sure we'll have you back on to chat again soon, but till then, thank you. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you, Daniel. And thank you everyone for watching this live episode of Owning the Future of Healthcare, a Health Catalyst podcast. If you like what you heard and saw and want some more Health Catalyst content, make sure that you're heading to our website, healthcatalyst.com slash empower. Again, healthcatalyst.com slash empower. For more information on the various topics we broke down and of course for some more health catalyst content make sure you're subscribing as well to the podcast on apple Podcasts and spotify i'm your host daniel litwin the voice of b2b and we'll catch you next time on the next episode of owning the future of healthcare